0: All right, all right. Well, we're excited to uh, keep things rolling here tonight. If you were with us Sunday, you know what this is going to look like a little bit. But tonight we're going to be rolling a whole lot faster because we got a lot of questions to get through that you guys gave us. And we want to kick things off right out of the gate. Really hard question right here. Man, I just lost everything. It's all good. Here we go. Uh, Right out of the gate, here's our first question. Uh, If you can, do me a favor and don't talk to one another as much. I mean, you can a little bit, but not crazy. Uh, Stay with us here tonight. This is a question that's a really hard one, and this is one that comes from you guys, and we want to help you guys understand this um, a little bit better because this is a hard question for us as leaders to um, get you guys to understand because this is it. Let let me say the question first. Um, How do I know I'm loved by the people in my life group because I feel that they shut me out? Let me say that one more again. How do I know that I'm loved by the people in my life group because I feel that they shut me out? Um, And, uh, you know, here's the thing, realistically. I want you guys to know we want you here. Like that is the biggest thing ever. We want everybody to be here. We accept everyone, Uh, even no matter what you believe, no matter what you think, we want you here right now, right? Like we want to tell you um, that this is a place that's for everybody. This is a place for you to come and meet Jesus, but it's also a place for you to come and meet brothers and sisters in Christ. And so when people in your group shut you out, that's an issue. And I want you to go straight to your leaders about that. I want you to come find me. If you ever feel that way, come find me immediately and tell me. Um, and, and I'm going to have some hard conversations based on that, okay? Uh, that's the things i want to say there. As your student pastor, I want you to know you matter here. Every single one of you guys matters here, all right? Nobody matters more than anyone else. You guys are all equal in my eyes here. I want you here. I love you guys. Thanks for being here. And so, guys, do y'all have anything y'all want to add to that and help them understand maybe um, uh, why it feels that way sometimes?
1: Well, I, we were It was interesting because we were just having a conversation about this a few of us leaders just a few minutes ago about how some students sometimes feel like that they don't necessarily click with their group. Um, but kind of like what Mike said, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ and we're a family. We're actually getting ready to do a series on family coming up pretty soon, so maybe we can address that some in this series. But we are all called to love each other. And so um, I want to challenge those students because... Look, I know I was a teenager a long, long time ago. But you got your little groups, your little cliques that you kind of get with. But I want to challenge you students who have some really close friends. Just like I've told my life group girls, when you're at school, that's your mission field. Reach out to that person that's kind of sitting by themselves. You know, maybe they just want to feel a sense of belonging. So I want to reach out to those ones who are, you know, reach out to those that you see sitting by themselves and kind of try to pull them in because we are all brothers and sisters in Christ and you need to show love to each other and that's one way you could show love to each other. Mm-hmm. So definitely do that. I would also challenge that student that maybe, maybe kind of examine yourself sometimes. Are you kind of excluding yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and reach out too. And then also as leaders, we have a responsibility too that if we see that, try to do what we can to try to get you know, students to talk to each other as well. So, and we kind of foster that, you know, make sure we're engaging each student as well and kind of foster that.
0: Perfect. Yeah, Ooh. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, the one thing I would just add to that to say is um, who, the per, to the person who wrote this question, to the person who was brave enough to bring that to our attention, thank you. Um, we as leaders, uh, as much as we want to love and recognize these things, it is difficult for us. But So thank you for the student who is willing to do that, to put themselves out there to say they feel shut out because we want that. We want to change that. We want to make this a culture because I think if there's one place in the entire world you're supposed to come to feel loved and included, it's with other believers. And when you're not, that hurts us. And so I appreciate the person who is willing to do that. And if that's you and you're maybe feeling that and you thought, I can't say that to a leader. Like, hopefully this changes your mind on that. Like, come to us. Let us know that's how you're feeling. Because we want to create a culture where everybody is loved and included no matter where you come from. And so, I will just say that.
0: Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Frank, anything? You said it all. You <laughs> said it all. Perfect. It's all good. Thank you. Thank you. So, listen, um, tonight what we're going to do is we're going to dive in pretty heavy to some of y'all's questions. I'm not going to lie to you. We've got about ten questions on heaven here tonight that you guys have asked, and we want to answer as much as those as possible. We want to give a quick overview of those. And so uh, most of you guys are asking about heaven. Um, let me just say a few of them. How do we know that we will uh, for sure go to heaven when we uh, die and live with God forever? Um, do I go straight to heaven when I die? Uh, if I'm saved, am I always saved? Uh, if no one gets to the Father uh, but through Jesus... Then what about the people who never hear about them? And that's going to be a fun one. We're going to tackle on a little bit. But I want to talk to you guys first about this heaven question because realistically, like every single one of us in this room have questions when it comes to heaven, right? Every single one of us wants to know, like, what happens when we die? So do I, Okay. So do I. I think every single one of us can admit that same thing, that, that, that we want to know what happens when we die here. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of kick things to you guys for a second. I want to give you a few things to think about when it comes to this question here. How do we know for sure that we will go to heaven and live forever? Um, and, and I kind of pair that up with, do I, go to straight, or do I go straight to heaven when I die? All right. The first thing I want you guys to understand is that you are an eternal being. Everybody pinch yourself really quick. Pinch yourself. You feel that? That's flesh, okay? One day, your flesh will not be on you anymore. One day, your flesh will be completely gone off of you, okay? The big thing you need to know is this. Listen to this. It's okay. It's okay. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says this. For we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed... We have a building from God, an eternal house that is not built by human hands. See, this concept of eternity is really hard for us to grasp while we live in these earthly bodies. But realistically, here's the thing. There comes a point in our mind that we have to stop uh, trying to make this thing make sense and start believing that God has given us an eternal soul, that your soul will live on way past your body. Okay, and and as you guys are young right now, like you're in like the prime of your life. You're not even there yet. Like you've still got time to come. But you're going to start to understand this as you get more older. You're going to start to understand that you are an eternal being and that that God has created you for something else. And and here's the thing that I've learned as I've started to get older. And Frank, you're a lot older than me. It's okay. I'm not hating here. But here's where it is. Check this out. Um, As I've gotten older, I've started to realize that I start to crave heaven more right? Like, as I've gotten older, I've started to crave being um, with God more in His presence, and it's completely different, and it's something that that is changing inside of me. Now, when I was your guys' age, let me be completely honest just for a second with you. Like, when somebody said, don't we all want to go to heaven? I'm like, yeah, but not right now, right? Like, I ain't trying to go right now. I'm trying to enjoy my life some, right? And so I think as you guys get a little bit older, you're going to start to understand that, like, Our desire, Paul writes this to the church. He says, for me to live is for Christ, but for me to die is to go to heaven. I gain something when I die here. And so when it comes to this, how do we know it's the promise from Scripture? It's the promise from Jesus himself. Jesus says this. He says, and if I go, know that when I leave, I go to prepare a place for you. All right? He was talking to his disciples then, but that also goes to us. That goes to everyone in this room who is a Christian, who is a believer in God. If we believe in him, then we also get to share with that promise that he gave to the disciples. So that's how we know because Jesus told us that, right? And, And that's something that we can take to the bank. You can cash it. I'm excited about that one. We're going to jump a little bit more into those. But I know we all have some more questions here. So Josh, coming over to you, buddy. If God wants everyone to heaven... Or go to heaven, why does he make the path to heaven so narrow and the path to, her- to hell so wide?
2: Yeah, um, I would say the first thing to say about this question is um, the verse being referenced, if you're wondering where that is, it's Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. And so you can look that up, you can read it and kind of get an idea of what the context is. But I think the one thing that I would make sure is very clear about this question um, is that God himself... Does not make the path narrow to heaven and the path wide to hell. I think that's very important. That's a very important basis to lay for this question because we see verses like 2 Peter 3:9, 3, John 3.16, and Matthew 18, 14 tell us that God's desire, God's will, is that nobody should perish. He does not want a single person on earth. To perish, he doesn't want a single one of you to go to hell. He wants to see every one of you in heaven with him. That's his desire. He does not make the path narrow or wide, but actually, it's we that do that. We're the ones that do that. It's not God; it's us. And this, this is where it kind of intertwines a little bit my personal opinion. So I'm not going to say this is full truth, but I would say that why it is is because. Sin is easy. Sin is desirable. It's it's desirable to live out what we want in this world, to have what we want, to date who we want, to talk how we want, live how we want, get the things we want. It's easy to sin. It's easy to live a sinful lifestyle. It's hard to be disciplined. It's hard to have discipline and say, no, while my flesh, while my desire is to have this, I see it as not helpful and therefore I would choose not to do it. The path to hell is so wide because it's so easy to live a life of sin, to live a life in that. But hear this, don't miss this. Sin will always have, almost always have instant gratification. It will almost always saturate that desire that you have. But it will always come with a long-term consequence. Being disciplined, fighting against those desires on the other hand, sometimes it might hurt Instantly, like for a little bit, because you're not getting what you want. But I promise, the long term, you're going to have rewards and satisfaction in Christ like no other. Sin may saturate you for a little bit. may satisfy you for a little bit. Think of it as salt water. Salt water might quench your thirst for a little bit. But eventually, the more salt water you drink, the thirstier you become for that thing. That's what sin does to you. It only temporarily satisfies you and then will continue to make you want to come back and yeah, back again and never actually fully satisfy you.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, um, you talked about that just a second ago. Also, when we were talking about the very first question, like, how do I know I'm loved by other people? Uh, the thing is, is that when we're focusing in on ourselves, right, that's, that's how we know that we're living in sin. It's like when we're not noticing the people around us. That we have to turn our attention outward. That's what God always wanted for us. That's what he always told us, what Jesus was telling everybody. You are to love others. That's how people will know you're different, right? It's by your love for everyone else. And I think there's times in our lives that when we get focused in on ourselves that we're missing this whole path completely. And so I'm going to take that and I'm going to shift that a little bit over to you, Frank. And, and here it is. You ready? You're not ready. He's not ready. If I pray the prayer, am I saved?
3: That's a good question, because <laughs> it has two answers. It could be yes and no, okay? Because it all depends on your heart, okay? Just because you say a prayer doesn't mean you're going to heaven. If you look through Scripture, there's no time that in G- anywhere in the Scriptures that Jesus said, "Let's pray the sinner's prayer." There's no way. There's nowhere. Jesus called for repentance. Go and sin no more, Jesus said all the time. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. And that's repentance. You know, any, you can teach a parrot to pray a prayer, but his he's, parrot's not going to heaven. It has to be a heart issue. It's a, um, I was talking to my mom about this question the other night, and she says, Frank, it's an 18-inch it's decision between your head and your heart. Um, and so you can pray a prayer, and, you know, and many people think just because I prayed the prayer... That's my one-way ticket. I'm sealed. I'm going to heaven. But it has to be from your heart. It has to be, you want that, again, like our church says, you need to have that life change that goes with it. Um, There's millions of people all over the world who have said a prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, And Rusty preaches on this quite often about, you know, praying a prayer and not believing it with your heart. Um, So it means a a life-altering experience. Um, you need to be, have a life change, be, being in God's Word, going through discipleship, um, growing in your faith. Um, so I guess a true test of that is you think about, yes, I prayed a prayer, but where is my walk with the Lord? Am I still in the same spot I was when I prayed the prayer? Well, then it maybe was just a prayer. Mm. Or has my life moved forward in Christ since I prayed the prayer? And so if there's nobody who can answer that but yourself. And so, yes, you can say a prayer and believe in your heart and have life change, or it's no, you can say a prayer and you think, I just said a prayer and I'm good. So,
0: Perfect. No, I think that's good. It leads me right into Robin. Um, You got this question, and and it goes perfectly along with right where we are right now. Um, Robin, uh, I think a lot of us kind of wonder about this at times, and and I love what you just said there, Frank, and we're going to talk more about that here in a second. If the world ends at a low, and I'm at a low point in my life, do I go to hell?
1: Um, okay, I'm going to say, well, the, this is how the question was posed to me. Yeah. I think it said at a low point in your, my faith was kind of, so I'm going to go off if, if you truly have faith. Yeah. So if you truly have faith, that means you've had a life change, you've had a heart change, you've totally surrendered your life to God. Absolutely not. You're not. Um, we all go through times where we're at low points and we struggle, when, especially when we're faced with different trials in our lives. Mm-hmm. But the key word is faith, yeah. So, which implies to me that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so in God's word, he tells us in John 10, verses 27 through 28, My sheep know my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Mm. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Which is, oh, I love that verse. Um, then there's there's other verses also. Um, Ephesians 13 through 14. Um, Ephesians 2 through 8. Um, one of my favorite, Titus 3, 5. He saved us, not, based, not on a basis of our deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're out there thinking, if I'm a, at a low point, I'm just sinning without uh, without feeling any kind of conscious about it, without feeling any kind of conviction, and you're, you're going through that, then I think that's kind of a different question at that point. Um, th- kind of saying the prayer, again, like Frank said, doesn't get you to heaven. It's your true heart change. So you have to kind of see, you know, have you actually had a heart change? Have you totally surrendered your life over to Christ? If you have, then no. If you haven't, you know, then we need to kind of kind of look at that. But the good thing is, is that even when we're at low points in our faith, as there's truly been a heart change, thank God for his grace and his mercy. Um, so, um, let's see, I had a verse for that. <laughs> oh, okay, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for By grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not as a result of your work, so that no man may boast. So, again, I would say if you're at a low point, if you've truly surrendered your life over to God, we all kind of go through that at some point in time. Um, no. Now, if you're just out there sinning just to have fun and just say, Oh, I've got my grace card, mm-hmm. mm, might want to check your heart. Um, so that's kind of what I have to say. No, towards yeah, that. I think
0: you're right on there. I think when we look at this... Um, question and I think Frank's right like um, you can't just say a prayer nowhere in the scripture did Jesus say say this prayer after me and you're saved for life right there was a simple command Jesus gave his disciples All right, what was it follow me right follow me now the the truth is is that every single one of us in this room have to make that decision to follow Jesus it's exactly what Frank exactly what Robin was just talking about if we choose not to follow Jesus then guess what you're not a Christian, okay? There is no heaven for you if you're choosing not to follow Jesus. You have to choose to continue to go after him day in and day out. And Frank was talking about this here. If, if you just said a prayer and nothing else has happened for you, then you have to ask the question, am I truly following Jesus, right? I, I know that the thing is, is that we want to believe, right? Like, I believe in Jesus. Like, I, it, truth is, is the demons believe in Jesus too, right? They know Jesus, but there takes another step. There takes following to continue with that. And so I've got a question that is one of these questions that is just—it'll punch you in the mouth if you're not question. You're not easy with it. Okay. Here I it is. Just, uh,
3: just interject there. Yeah. You know, as Mike says, I'm old. But so I, you know, but going through life and being old. Um, older. Older. Um, you know, it, if you if you're in God's word and you study God's word and you have a quiet time and you pray. Yes, you are going to go through valleys, you know, and and there have been very dark valleys in my life um, that God has brought me through, mm-hmm. and, each and each of those valleys, and some valleys I, I never know why I was in the valley, but there's some valleys when I get out of the valley, I'm like, oh man, that's what God had intended, man, that's what God had, so Yes, there's difficult times, but it all goes back to, like Robin said, it's our faith, you know, if you're, if you, and that's why I I know all of the the leaders here say, you know, go have a quiet time, it's so important, especially when you're getting this young, memorizing scripture, your brain is still young, it's hard for me now, because I'm old, but Mm -hmm. it's easier for you when you're young to memorize scripture, get it in your head, because God's going to bring it back in those valleys, uh, when he, when your, when your faith is tested. No, it's right
0: on, and so let me jump into this question, this is a hard one, okay? Okay. Do people who commit suicide go to heaven? Okay. Um, How many of you guys have heard people who commit suicide don't go to heaven if you're in the room? Perfect. Yes. Excellent. All right. So here's the thing. I want to go through this. I'm going to break this down as best as I possibly can. I'm going to give you scripture with this. I'm going to give you my opinion with this too. Okay. But know that this is how I see it. Okay. The first thing we have to do when it comes to this question is you have to define the word People, Okay, if you're talking about an unsaved person, then the answer right away is going to be absolutely not. They can't go to heaven because they haven't trusted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They don't have faith in him. So there's no way that because they haven't been covered by Jesus's blood, right? So now let's talk about it from the perspective of a Christian. Okay, so if a Christian person commits suicide, we have to look at this. So the question, um, this, this actually isn't a new question. Right. This is a question that's been around for roughly, if I'm not mistaken, about 700 years or so. Um, This became really popular during the medieval times um, for people to ask this question. Here's actually what happened. Catholic priests were telling people that if um, their family committed suicide, that they could actually pray them out of hell, um, which is absolutely insane. It's not true by any means. There's nothing that I can do as your pastor To get you out of hell, okay? I want you to hear that from me first, okay? Nothing I can do to help you out. So if you were to die tonight and you're not a Christian in this room, I can't say a special prayer. I can't do Hail Marys. There's nothing I can do to get you out of hell, all right? This is all about you and God. All right? That's where this comes from. Okay? So that's where this question kind of comes from. So back in the day, the, the, the priest actually said, yeah, if you pay me a set amount of money, I will pray them out of hell. All right? That's a lie, guys. That's a lie. Okay? Now listen to me very carefully. If you're a Christian in this room and you commit suicide, all right, I personally believe If you're truly following Jesus, and you're in one of these valleys, you're in one of these moments where it it just doesn't make sense, and you make a decision that isn't necessarily the best decision, but you make this decision, I don't think that you will go to hell. I personally believe you will go to heaven because Jesus' blood is bigger than your sin you committed. Okay, let's talk about that just for a second. John chapter 10, verse 28. I think we just heard this. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. You see, here's something that you guys need to know. If you're ever feeling this way, if you're ever in a really dark spot like that, I want to encourage you, come and talk to one of your leaders. Come and talk to somebody in this group. Don't go through this life alone. That's what these life groups are all about. That's why we do what we do every single Wednesday is because we care about you. We care about your life. We care about what's happening with you guys. So please don't go through life alone. When you're feeling dark, when you're feeling like nobody cares about you, reach out. I promise you there's more people here who would miss you if you weren't here than you realize. So let's talk through that. And listen, I wrote this down. The moment... Of weakness or surrender does not mean you're not forgiven, all right? Should you fight these thoughts? Should you fight these things that happen? Absolutely. You should fight these with everything you have, all right? You should ask the people around you, the people who are doing life with you. You should ask them for help. That's why having a church family is so important. But the deal is, is this. The simple answer that I can tell you, if you're a Christian in the room, and, and if somebody is a Christian and they commit suicide, then according to what I read, the way I read this scripture, they can go to heaven, okay? But if it's an unbeliever, there's no way that they can go to heaven. And there's nothing that I can do, there's nothing that any person in this room can do to pull them out of hell, okay? That leads me to my very next question, and I'm going to let you guys play around with this
3: one a little bit while I take a break from I just talking. want to answer that about... Yeah. Um, Mental illness and depression, that's, they're all real. They're all, they're, all, they're all sicknesses, so they're all things that you can get help for. Um, just like if you would have a cold, you might tell your mom and she might give you a Tylenol, or it's the same thing. You've got to speak to somebody, you've got to tell somebody, you've got to tell your parents, you've got to speak to your life group leader, speak to a friend, but don't just sit there with it yourself. You need somebody to help support you through that. So I just wanted to add that to that. I love it. So guys. Um.
0: Do we go straight to heaven when we die? Well Pop, quest, pop quiz
1: Well <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest with you I can't quote exactly where this is in the Bible But there is a verse And all you smart people out there And you Wilson Christian kids Y'all probably know it But to, um, to be absent from the body Is to be present with the Lord Oh
0: So <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. What else? What do y'all think? Everyone else?
3: Y'all want to say anything? Oh, I agree. Um, I come up, I come from a Catholic background, so I grew up as a Catholic through eighth grade. I went to Catholic school, and so it's not that way in the Catholic church. You know, you they go to a place they call purgatory, and like Mike said, you have to pray your family a certain amount of times in order to get them up the chain in order to get them to heaven, but as a believer, like Robin said, I believe, you know, once I'm left my earthly body, I'm in heaven. <laughs> Perfect. I
0: fully agree with you guys. That was my verse. You stole it. <laughs> Just so you know. To be absent from the body is to be present for, or present with Christ. It's exciting for me to think that way. Um, for you guys, I want you to look to your neighbor, and I want you to answer that question now. When you die, do you go straight to heaven?
1: Hey, and if anybody can tell me what verse that is, I'll give you a dollar.
0: Ooh. <laughs> <That> <laughs> Who said it? John 14.
1: John 14.
0: <laughs> he's not right. Okay, just so you know, he's not right, okay? I was going right. to say, I'm going to confirm I can tell Mr. You this Mike because
1: he's got it written over here. I,
0: I can tell you that now. That was Hartley, for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's just a guess. Come on now. <laughs> Oh, you don't get to Google it right now or look it up in your U version app. So don't good. do that That's either. So I good. see you over there, Malia. I saw you cheating.
0: <laughs> all right. Let me bring you all back to me real quick. Let me bring you back real quick. Let's have a little bit more fun. We've got some more fun questions here. So uh,
1: I see you all on them, Bradshaw. Uh, <laughs> I saw you.
0: <laughs> let me see. Let me see. You guys feel like we've kinda, we've kind of talked over once saved, always saved a lot, right? So um, let, me just, let me just hammer in on that real quick. Once saved, always saved. Yes. If you're saved, you're always saved. But if you're not saved, you're never saved. Okay? That's simply, I mean, that's what we've been saying the whole time, right? It all depends on your heart and right here, right? You have to connect it. And here's the deal. If you, don't know if, you're not, if, if you don't know you're not saved, come talk to me. Come talk to one of us. Let's chat, all right? Let's just talk through this. Let's talk about what it looks like, all right? Another question that I was given um, that I didn't even write down on the paper was this. Do I have to be baptized in order to go to heaven? No, you don't. You don't have to be baptized to go to heaven, okay? However, listen to me. This is a really important thing. Jesus did say this. He, he, He said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? So the first thing you're supposed to do After you accept Christ is you're supposed to be baptized. This is the easiest thing for you to do. Why do we get baptized? Well, hey, I heard somebody say it out there. That's right. To show the world that we believe in Jesus. We're really excited about this. Josh, when's our baptism coming up? November 7th. November seventh. So the listen, 11
2: a.m. service.
0: We're excited about this. I know for sure that we have two students that are with us here tonight that will be baptized that night or that, that day. And so, um, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm pumped. But um, listen, maybe you still need to be baptized. Maybe you haven't taken that step, the first step of obedience to Jesus. Come see me. Come see Josh. Come see one of the leaders. Tell them. They'll let me know, and then we'll get you scheduled to be baptized, too. As soon as I hear your story, we'll get you approved, and we'll get you baptized, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. We're excited about that. Um, Something coming up really soon. For you guys to do with that okay
3: and also on baptism if you think about Jesus on the cross he turned to the thief and he says to, you know to, uh, answers that that's the, the question before that too today you'll be with me in paradise mm-hmm. he tells the thief on the cross so he didn't have to get baptized in order to go to heaven but also when he died he was with Jesus in paradise so answered the last question as well
0: okay no yeah absolutely um listen I'm, I'm going to shift it just a little bit okay If no one gets to the Father but through Jesus, then how about the people who have never heard about him? Solid question. Solid question, okay? All right. I'm going to offer you guys several passages of Scripture that I believe deal with this specifically. Um, I want you guys to understand. I think it is very important for us to share our faith and take it to the the, ends, ends of the world. And here's why. In John 14, 5 and 6, it says this. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How, do we, how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Did you hear that? No one comes to the Father except through me. So if someone never hears of Jesus, then they don't have the opportunity to accept him now, if you study scripture, the more and more um, you see, you're going to hear arguments. Well, they they um, you know like they get a pass, right? I don't believe that's true, and I don't believe that's true simply because of this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You hear that? You have to call on the name of the Lord. How then can they call on the one in whom they haven't believed? And how are they supposed to hear if they've never heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the words of Christ. Okay? This is the chain of logic in Paul's mind when he's writing to the people. He wants them to understand that the only way to be saved is through Jesus' name. All right? The only way to call on Christ's name is to believe the gospel. And the only way to believe the gospel is to hear the gospel. And the only way to hear the gospel is to be told the gospel. Okay? This is really, really important because as you start to look at this, you start to understand that it's our job, the believers in this room, it's our job to take the gospel outside of these walls, outside of little old Wilson, and to get it into all the world. Okay? Now let's talk about this a little bit deeper. Let's go into it a smidgen more. Okay, what about the people who, quote unquote, believe there is a God and they're okay with Jesus. They don't know Jesus yet, right? Do they get to go to heaven? No. You can't believe just in God and go to heaven. It has to be Jesus Christ. And here's how I know that. Acts chapter 10. All right, in Acts chapter 10, there's this guy named Cornelius. Cornelius. All right, Cornelius has this dream about God. He has this dream about, uh, about this savior named Jesus. And, and God tells him in this dream, seek out Peter. And so Cornelius in this chapter, if you go and you study it, you see that Cornelius is searches for Peter. And he has him come to his house so that Peter can share the gospel with him. Right? And God allowed that to happen. Like this is one we see in Scripture. And so as I study this, and I encourage you guys, go study this on your own. See if you can uh, prove me wrong. If you can, great. But I, I encourage you, check this out and dig into this a little bit more. Because what I read, based on what I read, you have to accept Christ in order to go to heaven. And so we need to be sharing our faith, and we need to be helping those organizations that are taking this to the unreached people groups. All right? This is really important. And so let's dig in. Let's help in any way we possibly can. All right? You guys want to add anything there? Nope. Man, I, I am rolling you're so here tonight. So smart, Mike. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> to
1: be said. Well, listen,
0: I'm actually going to shut up just for a second, okay? And if um, you're told shut up it's a bad word, I'm going to be quiet, okay? I'm sorry about that. Josh, I'm going to kick it over to you just for a few minutes, all right? Josh, we're going to talk about dating, okay? Let's talk about dating. Let's talk about what the Bible says about dating. Okay, so Josh, what does the Bible say about dating? I'll be right back. Uh, You guys talk about this really quick. Go ahead.
2: The amount of wide eyes that just happened in the crowd when they're like, oh, my gosh. They're going to talk about dating. (sighs) I know. (sighs) Well... I wish I had another three hours on stage to talk about this, but I don't.
3: Wait until so, you're 25.
2: That's what the dad on stage says. Um, let me tell you from a different perspective. Um, so here's what I'm going to say. So there's kind of three, there's two questions I'm going kind to of, kind of work together with here. And the first one is, what does the Bible say about dating? The other question is also, was a little more specific, and that was, While I'm waiting until the age of 18 to date, is it okay to like a guy or girl during this time? Here's what I want to say about that. God created human beings with a desire for relationships. He created you as you are with a desire for relationships, and... We see this in the creation story of Genesis 1 and 2. Every, every time that God created something, he looked at it and said, it was good. Until the creation of creatures and Adam. And Adam was out looking at all the different animals that were created. And it says that he did not find a suitable partner among them. And God looked at this and saw this and said, this is not good for man to be alone, and so God created Eve, and when Adam saw her, he was he desired her. God created you with a desire for relationships not I'll step away and say not just dating relationships, not just marriage relationships, but friendships, truly honest friendships. God created you with a desire for relationships. What I want to say about this is It's what you do, so it's not wrong, it is not wrong to like a guy or girl when you are waiting to date. I wanna say I commend you for waiting. We live in a culture that says date as many people as you can, do whatever you can to fulfill that gap in your life, that hole in your life. That's the world we live in. I commend you for waiting. It's what you do, what you are doing in that waiting period. And i was take a step further and say, it's not just what you aren't doing. People will say, well, don't do these things while you're not dating somebody. It's not just things that you don't do, like staying pure. It's things that you are doing actively. And so thoughts that I want to give to you are while you're waiting to date, to, whether it's 18, whether it's 25, whether it's 40. Here's some thoughts I want to give you. And that is, yeah, everybody's like, 40? Um, here's some thoughts I want to give you. Are you growing actively in your relationship with God in your time of waiting? Are you growing with a group of church friends in your relationship with Christ? Another thing I want to ask is, are you identifying areas in your life that you need to grow in that would make you a suitable partner for somebody To marry, Because ultimately that is the goal of dating, is marriage. And that leads me to the question of what does the Bible say about dating? And I personally love this question. Um, I've told a couple of people this since I've been here. If there's a hot topic that I absolutely love to have conversation about, it's dating. The dating culture in the world today, the dating culture from a scriptural lens. And here's what I'll say. What does the Bible say about dating? Nothing. The word dating and courtship does not exist once in the Bible. You can fact check me and tell me if I'm wrong, and I won't believe you because i read it. Um, the Bible does not use the words dating or courtship because actually the term dating did not exist in our culture until about 1920. 1920. Last I checked, the Bible was written before then, but I'm not sure you can check me on that one too. So they Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could have gone trick-or-treating at that time, too. Um, So here's what I do believe, and here's what I'm confident in. The Bible gives very specific principles that we can apply to our lives in the question of what does the Bible say about dating. And the first one is this, is that we must separate our mindset of what the world says about dating. Because God's way of relationships, of dating, if you will, of marriage, is contradicting to the world. The world tells you date as many people as you can, like hang around all these people, get all these different relationships because it's going to fill that hole. It's going to fill that gap. God is saying, wait for the one that is going to be with you forever. Because listen here, this is so important. This is, this is something I'm so passionate about. God did not create you to have your heart broken. God did not create you to have your heart broken broken and when you date around and go through breakups and I've seen many breakups I've been through breakups the tears yeah the tears the crying the questions the stress of why what did I do wrong what's wrong with me your heart has been broken and God did not create you to have your heart broken so by you deciding to wait until you find that one I didn't think it was that profound. All right, yay, I said something profound on stage. All right, um, where was I? God did not create you to have your heart broken and that's what happens when you date multiple people throughout your time. When you wait for that one who is saying yes, I will commit the rest of my life to you, that is where heartbreak no longer will be found. The other thing, I was there's four questions I urge you to ask when you're deciding if I should date somebody, ready? Am I, number one, am I a fully committed believer who is actively growing in my faith? Number three, there you go, number three, number, number three, am I spiritually, emotionally, and mentally confident in myself and my relationship with Christ without this person? And number four, are they? Because the moment you think that this relationship you're getting in is going to take the place of God is where you start causing problems. You have to be confident in the creation you are in God and made in His image before you are ready to date somebody. When in a committed relationship, whether dating or courting, it is important to remember to love God above all else because when we start loving that, 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 um, dating partner, that future spouse, that current spouse in marriage, we do what we call idolatry. We are putting them on the throne of God instead of God himself. We are saying, God, thanks for getting me this person, but now I'm going to take it from here. They are more important than me. They are more important than going to church. They are more important than reading my Bible. They are more important than praying. It's called idolatry. And you have probably not asked those four questions before dating or marrying them. It is so important. Don't miss that. The last thing to say when looking at dating is that we are not to what we call, what Paul uses the phrase of defiling our body, which is what we call sexual immorality. There's a couple of verses on that that you can look at, and it's, in, it's primarily in 1 Corinthians. Um, it is important to love and honor others as we love ourselves. And this is certainly true for courtship in a dating relationship. See, whether dating or according, whichever, whatever name, whatever title you want to give it, it's important to follow these biblical principles because it's the best way to have a secure foundation in that future marriage, which is ultimately what you are dating for. Because when two people marry, as Genesis says, they cleave to one another. They, they cling to one another. They leave their parents and become one. And if you are becoming one With anybody less than a fully committed, actively growing believer, you are in for heartbreak. You're in for struggle. You're in for nights of crying yourself to sleep. And God did not create you to have your heart broken. So does the Bible say anything about dating? No. But are there active, real principles that we can apply to our lives to challenge ourselves with, am I ready to date? Yes. That's all I'll say. It.
0: Perfect.
3: Perfect. And I have another verse. I have another verse that kind of goes along with Josh was saying about dating, and it's found in First um, Timothy four twelve, and it says, "Do not uh, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity." So if you look at all of those, th- look at all of those areas, that is. Your life, you know, how, you, how are you speaking? Are you speaking kindly to somebody, whether you're dating or not? You know, what is your speech about um, in conduct, in the things that you do? Um, in love, I mean, yes, love is a, love is a big word, um, and, it's, and it's a commitment. In your faith, you grow grown in your faith, and then lasted in purity. So look at those, those, those five areas. So it's 1 Timothy 4.12. It's a great verse to memorize. And to put in your mind and think about those five things to work on. And if those five things are in order in your life, that may be a good time that maybe you could start dating. Mm-hmm. But work on those five things first.
0: Well, let me, let me jump in, too, because I think there's some things about dating that, um, you know, I think that if we don't say them, then we get in trouble um, by not saying them, okay? Everybody, you're going to get a little upset with me right here. Every single one of you guys who have parents, if your parents have not given you permission to date, you do not need to date anyone, okay? That, that's the truth. If they've given you a set age, you need to wait till that age, okay? Like, sorry, okay? Now, as a, uh, as a dad you just, now. You just
2: made a lot of enemies in the room.
0: So, as, as a dad now, like, I'm in a different place, right? Like, um, I would have thought differently when I was your age, okay? Here's another one. Middle schoolers. Middle schoolers in the room. You're going to hate me. You don't need to date, Okay? All right? Never. Okay? Stay with me. Give me a second. Give me a second. Let me talk through this just for a second, okay? Here's the thing. When it goes to dating, Josh did a great job of telling you where you're leading, your dating should lead to. Um, Here's the big thing. Dating should lead to marriage. And during that dating, you're going to awaken some desires that necessarily you aren't ready for yet. And that can be for high schoolers too, okay? Like Frank just said, we need to be sure that we are controlling ourselves first. And honestly, like sometimes even when we're a senior in high school, we're not ready for the type of relationship that we're trying to dive into. So guys, here's the deal. When it comes to dating, pump the brakes, okay? Slow down, all right? I'm not telling you to date Jesus, okay? But I am telling you to make sure that you have your eyes focused the right way first, okay?
1: And as a female, I just want to jump in here for the ladies because I know this is something that girls struggle with a lot, and that's finding their identity. So, ladies, I want to tell you, the only one who can define you is your creator, and that is God. So you make sure you have your identity in Him first. Don't look at it. Don't look for it in that young man or that I'm going to be honest with you, that boy over there, because yep. he's not going to give it to you. Only God can identify you. Find your identity in him.
0: <laughs> all right. So.
3: So, again, I say, wait till you're 25.
0: <laughs> oh, i tell you this. If you wait, your life will be better. Listen, we're going to do a couple more questions, and we're going to get out of here, okay? Just a couple more, and we're going to, we're going to break. Now, we're not going to get through all the questions. Here's what we're going to do. I want you guys to hear me um, as we kind of get into this. I know you guys are starting to get a little rowdy and ready to get out of here. What we're going to do is the questions we don't answer, we're actually going to go to social media and we're going to post some videos throughout the week, weekends um, of some of these. And so you can check out our Instagram, you can check out our Facebook pages to see some of this. It'll be out there. But um, I've got one that I want to hit and then I'm going to go to um, Frank for his and then, Robin, if I have time, I'm going to come to you, okay? got
1: to get to me. Okay? Mine is If, I, so if good. I have time,
0: I'm coming to you, okay? All right. I want to kick one off. Though. This is a really big one for me. Okay. How should we treat the LGBTQ plus community God's way? All right. Hey, That's hey, hey, hey. Easy, shh, easy, easy, easy. This is a big thing, okay? Some of you guys are giggling right now, and you shouldn't be giggling. Because people around you are struggling with this, okay? So I want you to hear that from me straight up. Like... This is a real thing, and people are struggling with this. And I want you to understand, your job as a Christian, your job as a Christian is simply to love them, okay? You have no other job. Your job is not to fix them, okay? That's not your job. That's God's job. Your job is to truly befriend them and show them Jesus. Tell them Jesus. Share Jesus with them in every area of their life. You see, I think sometimes we think we've got to fix people, but that's never been the case of anything like that. Listen to what um, Jesus said here. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and all your strength. This second one is um, also the greatest commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other greater commandment than these. Here's the problem. For some reason, we've started to think that people who don't necessarily think the same way we do, who act the way we do, who believe the way we do, are lesser than ourselves. That's never been true. Okay? God calls you to love your neighbor as yourself. All right? So your job, when it comes to this, you don't treat them any differently. All right? Your job, what God says, is love them, and you don't worry about how they're going to respond to that, okay? Your job is to love them just like you would love your best friend. Whatever is happening there, whatever it looks like for you, continue to just show them God's love throughout all this, and then let God work in their hearts, okay? That's the big thing. That's what I want to share with you guys when it comes to this question here, because I think that we are missing the mark when it comes to this as the church, love them. Love, love, love. All
3: right? Kicking it over to Frank. This is an easy one to follow, right? I just want to add to what Mike said, you know, and that's so important just to love them uh, for who they are. Um, but also too is, you know, that might open up conversations where you can share your faith with them. Mm-hmm. You can share with you, you what, what you believe or what you believe God's word says in a kind way. Um, and I, I speak from, you know, personal experience. I have a niece who is gay and she got married, mm-hmm. you know, and they know I'm a Christian and they know, they know my faith and I did not attend that wedding because if, I, if I, I believed if I would have attended that, then I would have supported that and they know that I don't, I don't support that. I, they, they still know I love them. We still talk. We, we see them on vacation, but that's just a stand that I had to take mm-hmm. because of my faith. So the love doesn't change, but my actions couldn't back up that in that part of that life. Yep, so but, it, but you're not hating them I'm by any means. Them. No, not at all. Um,
0: and, and, you know, and that's the thing is that sometimes we feel like we've got to excommunicate people because they have a different thought than us. And, and that's not it, right? Like God is calling us to something completely different. And let's just dive into this next question because this is a good one too. So how do you share God with someone who doesn't want to hear, them, hear about them?
3: And it goes back to that, to, to, that, to that verse I just read, you know, being an example um, in your faith and in your purity. Um, you know, we all have friends who don't want to hear about Jesus. You know, the first thing I want to say is just make it a daily um, routine to pray for that person. Um, if, we, if we continue to pray for that person, God hears our prayer and God's going to start opening doors for us to share with them. Um, you know, find things in common. Um, that you can do together. Maybe they like go fishing. You can go fishing. Many <laughs> conversations can happen on the fish on you know on the bank of the on the bank. You know, ask them what ask them what are they struggling with, and just tell them you know I'm I'm going to pray for you about that. Or can I pray with you now? And some yeah. most sometimes they'll even say yes. Um, um, start a gospel conversation by sharing your testimony. You know, man, I read this I read this verse today, man. It was so powerful. And here's what God told me about that. Um, it's even though they don't want to accept Jesus, doesn't mean they may not want to hear what you're going through as well. Um, and again, it, um, just like we, you know, our, our church is big on that, it's just that discipleship, building those relationships. Relationship yep. is so important. But you have to go into a relationship not saying, you know, oh, I'm going in there so they can get saved. No, you're genuinely caring about them, yep. and you're building that relationship, and God will start opening those doors to, to, to share your faith. Yeah, It's not something that can be forced because, again, you can't force somebody to accept Jesus. It has to be their personal choice. It might happen in a week. It might happen in a month. You might just plant a seed, and you may never see them again. And then down the road, that seed will come you know, come out, and, and they'll get saved. So, um, again, it's just about that relationship that you have with that person um, and building that relationship.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's key, right? Like even with sinners, like people who you think, quote, unquote, are sinners— keep loving them, right? Let Jesus change them. That's not our job. It's just our job to just be with them and to show them the right way. And so, uh, Robin, coming to you, which one do you want to go with? Oh,
1: um, the one about, um, okay. If, I know it. Uh, <laughs> I love this question. I could I could almost do a whole message, but anyway, um, if uh, if following God is so good and being a Christian is so fantastic, then why are so many christians self-righteous hypocrites that's heavy right i think i know who asked this question but um but i'm going to take it and so i don't exactly know but if this is coming from someone who's in a place of hurt first of all if you're feeling that please come talk to me i'd love to have a whole conversation with you um now if this is a question that someone asks because they want to be able to to defend their faith to someone who comes and asks them that question well first of all let me just say your life living out your life living out a godly life and being an example and telling your story of how God has worked in your life goes a long long way so look for those opportunities to share what God has done for you in your life and be a testimony in that perspective however for those who Maybe there was somebody in here who thinks that Christians are a bunch of self-righteous hypocrites. And to be honest with you, there are those self-righteous hypocrites. And sometimes I'm one of them, if I'm going to be honest with you. I think we all do that sometimes. We heard our own testimony as Christians when we do that. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. God is good. Um, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5.8. Um, Psalms 109.21 but you, Sovereign Lord, help me in your namesake out of the goodness of your love delivered me. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope, a future, and then call, me, call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Um, being a Christian is great. One of the great things about uh, being a Christian is, John 8:12, and again Jesus said to them, "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, will but will have the light of life." John 12:26, "If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him." Now, as far as self-righteous hypocrites, there's a story, and I think we just recently um, read this. Uh, the scripture. I don't remember if it was. In, I think it was in here. Um, the story in John 8, 1, 11, where the Pharisees um, brought the woman to Jesus, mm-hmm. who was caught up in um, sexual sin. Um, they actually said that she was an adulterer. So, in this story, when they bring him to him, they say, uh, "We s- saw this woman. She's um, been an adulterer." You know, Moses's law says. We should stone her to death, but then Jesus doesn't say anything at first. He just starts writing in the dirt, and I think it was Rusty that said he wondered if he was actually writing the names, and maybe it was some of those men that came to him and who were accusing her, but maybe they were actually with this woman. Um, and if you don't know what adultery is, talk to your mom and dad. Um, um, then Jesus stood up and said, "He who is without sin, cast the." Cast the first stone. And then he started writing in the dirt again. And one by one, they dropped their stones and walked away. And then Jesus stood up and said, woman, where are your accusers? And um, and who is here to condemn you? She then says, um, Lord, no one. And so Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. My point in sharing this is to show you that Jesus does not like that type of behavior. He doesn't like when Christians have that attitude. Um... You know, of judging others—only mm-hmm. um, Christ can do that. There are other voice verses in the Bible that address this also. So, but on the flip side of that, don't let those kind of people, those self-righteous hypocrites, <laughs> hinder you from having a relationship with Jesus either, yep. because you too will have to answer for that one day. And I would hate for anyone to miss out on the promises of God because His goodness, um, because of hypocrites um don't keep your eyes on man because they will fail you and hurt you every time god is good and he will never leave you so i would just say if you're struggling with that don't let self-righteous hypocrites keep you out of heaven
0: yeah i, I think you're right on i mean the thing we don't want to do is follow man right it's Absolutely. always about following god following Absolutely. jesus and following his example so josh guess what you want to say just quickly like
2: I wanna say, if you are sitting in the room tonight and you've been hurt by self-righteous hypocrites, if you've been hurt by a church, if you've been hurt by Christians, by religion, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Whether I played a part in that or any of these leaders played, we're sorry. Mm -hmm. We wanna know that we hurt with you. The church, Christianity, believers, were not supposed to allow that. Same thing with the person who feels shut out in life groups, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you. I hurt with you. So if you sit in this room tonight coming in here and you're like, yep, I believe that about Christians. Every single one of these people in this room, the leaders on stage, answering these questions, they're a bunch of hypocrites. They say one thing and do another. I'm sorry. Come talk to us. Like Robin said, come talk to us. Mm -hmm. We want to walk you through steps of healing, steps of forgiveness. So do that because the only way you're going to get through that feeling, through that hurt is to bring it to light and bring it to the open to somebody.
0: And so I'll just say that. Yeah, absolutely right. And so um, we've talked about a lot tonight and, and I wanna land right here. Um, we've talked about what it takes to be a Christian, what it takes to follow God. And, and that's the first steps of where we want you guys to go. It's the first, it's the main reason we do life groups is because we wanna give you guys an opportunity to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, to know that he came, he lived the perfect life to die on the cross for your sins and my sins That he didn't stay dead, but he raised again. And we get that promise of life. We get that promise of heaven if we just put our faith in him, if we will truly follow him. So if you haven't done that, I want to encourage you. Talk to me. Talk to one of your life group leaders. Talk to Josh. Let's talk this thing out and let's see what it really takes for you to follow Christ this year here in life groups. You guys have been great. Thanks so much for being here. I'm going to pray over us. We're going to get out of here. Sunday, I've got a really special message for you guys. Uh, we're going to be talking about fear. It's going to be an absolute blast. You're going to want to be here. Don't miss this Sunday morning, 945, right here in this room. Did I say that right? Yeah, I did. Perfect. All right, let's pray. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's pray together. God, uh, I thank you for this night. I thank you for the promise that uh, believers in this room tonight have of heaven. Lord, uh, we have tons of questions. And and there's so many that, Lord, we don't have the answers to. And God, only you have those answers. And Lord, we won't know until we get to heaven. But God, we want to say thank you for your word. Thank you for what you teach us through your word. And so, God, I pray that right now you will make us students of your word. That God, you will give us a burden to spend time in it, Lord. Not just for answers, but God so we can know you better so that we can truly know your heart and what you care for and how we're supposed to treat people. So God, just make that our heart's burden. Burden us with it this week, God. For the students in this room who maybe don't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, God, tonight maybe something clicked. They're not following you. They haven't made that step to do that yet. God, I pray that you'll give them the boldness, Lord, to step out, Lord, to talk to their leader to talk to me, God, to just say, hey, I want to follow Christ. And so God, just burn that inside of them. Let them not be able to leave here tonight without doing that. God, we love you. Keep us safe as we leave. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We'll see you guys Sunday.
2: Going back, back, better than before, never, never going back, I've been transformed, never, never going back. This means full, ready for all that. I've been transformed, never, never going back.